I'm going to Genesis chapter number 14. I'm going to ask that you would just go with me today. I, I don't know that I'll... I, don't, I really don't have a lot in the way of notes, and that just seems to be the way the Lord moves on me sometimes. So I don't have a lot in the way of notes, but I do have very much in, in what is in my spirit today. And I have, I have somewhat to say to you, and, and I feel like God gave me this message. So I'd ask that you would just make sure that you attune your ear toward heaven today. And let's hear what the Lord would say. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter number 14 and beginning with verse number 17. The Bible says, let me, before I read it, let me tell you this. Lot has been stolen. That's what's going on here. Lot has been stolen. Um, him and his family kidnapped, all of their belongings taken, but not just them. Also, many people in that area have been kidnapped and they have been taken and all of their things taken. And so Abraham goes and he pursues. Uh, one of the people that escaped had told Abraham, who was living in the plain of Mamre, what had happened. And so he armed his servants. There were 318 of them and pursued them. And... They defeated this king who had done all of these things. And they bring back Lot, all of his goods, all of their women and children. They bring back all of the other people's families and their goods as well. And so uh, this is on their way back where I begin reading. The Bible says this. One of the people that was heavily hit by this was the king of Sodom. In their city. The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Shadorlamor. This was Abraham, his slaughter. And of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he, talking about Abraham, Abraham gave him, speaking of Melchizedek, tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons, give me, in other words, the people that were taken from us and take the goods to yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Anir, Esul, and Mamre, let them take their portion, but as for me, I don't want to take anything from you. I have struggled so much with what to call this message. And um, I thought about titling this message, Time and Chance. I thought about titling this message, 
an unexpected encounter. I thought about titling this message, A Meeting in the Valley of Chavez. But I think I'm just going to, it's a long title, but it's a simple one. I think I'm just going to preach to you today about when Abraham went to church with the king of Sodom. When Abraham went to church with the king of Sodom. And I'm going to ask that you would really listen today and hear what God has to say because I think this is a very important day in this house. Amen? Amen. Lord, we love you and we bless you. We are so thankful for you. I ask now, Lord, that you would help us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. You would give us hearts to understand. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us in this room today. For that will give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The church is a unique place. It's a very special place. We need to remember what a blessing and a privilege and an honor it is for us to come into the house of God. We need to remember when we come here and we begin to lift up and exalt the name that is above every other name. The name that at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we come in here and we begin to lift up that name, it is a, it is a supernatural thing that begins to happen in this place. I would to God that Perhaps at some point in all of our lives, He would open our eyes that we would see beyond just what is natural. I'll remind you that when we were in uh, our home on 2011 Harwood Drive, and by the way, Brother Jimmy sent me a, a text today with a picture. I think it was seven years ago, where you at? Seven years ago today that we framed the walls of this building. What, what is today? The 22nd. And we built the 23rd. So, March 13th. What am well, I think in 22nd? I'm way off. Y'all pray for me. March 8th we built, right? And today... I'm going to get this right. We framed March 8th. We built... Something like that. But we were framing today. That's what I'm trying to say. Seven years ago today, we were framing this building up. And I thank God for it. But before we were here, we were in that room. Well, I'll get there in a moment. We began in our home. And some of you will remember me telling this story. But we were in service there one day and Tammy Kissling's mother was with us, Sister Joan. Oh, what a precious lady. Samantha's grandmother. And Sister Joan 
was in service with us. She had come up to visit and um, very quiet, very soft-spoken lady. Not at all one to be out front. But I preached today, that day about, I preached about God's greatest desire. And I was preaching about how God's greatest desire is that our great desire would be for Him. We had a tremendous move of God. And in that service, Sister Joan saw something. And when it was over, she came to me. Everybody had just about left, but I noticed she held, Ben, she held y'all back and kept y'all from going just maybe as quickly as you normally would have and, and waited till everybody else was gone. And she pulled me aside and she said, Brother Kenneth, I need to let you know. She said, when you were preaching today, she said, angels stood shoulder to shoulder around the entire living room here in your house. She said, the Lord opened my eyes and I could see angels. And she said, they stood at attention as you preached about God's great desire for us to have a desire for Him. She said, I just want you to know the Lord's with you. The Lord is here and God sent His angels in, and you're going to be alright and God's in this, what you're doing. And she told us that that day. And that was, a, that was a key moment for me in the establishing of this church. And then it was not very long after that, maybe just a year or so after that, we were having church at that building on Southwest Drive and just that little block building. Um, now, I couldn't lift my hands and touch the ceiling, but Charlie, if he lifted his hands, they were going in the ceiling if he'd have lifted them all the way. I remember we would, we would try to change light because lights were all the time going out in there. And we didn't want to go, we didn't want to go by, we were building this building. And we didn't want to go buy money to, or spend our money to put lights in their building that we were paying rent on. And so we would just move them around. And so, you know, if the light went out here, then we'd go grab one from over there and put it there. And we'd move them around and we just kept doing that. Charlie could stand flat-footed and just undo those lights and, and move them. And uh, we had church there. It was concrete floor. All we had was my wife on a keyboard with... Uh, we had some loops on a on a phone she would plug into it and and uh, sister Elizabeth and her would sing and and that was all of our worship team but oh the Lord would meet us there too and I remember one Sunday preaching a message about the seventh step and I preached about how when David had done all that he could the Bible said he went six paces bringing that ark back into Israel he went six paces and then he began to worship God and magnify the Lord and, and sacrifice. And, and I talked about how that was significant because six is the number of man and seven is the number of God. And if you look in that old tabernacle, it was about six paces to walk from the opening, the entrance of the holy place to go past the candlestick, past the table of showbread and get all the way to the altar of incense. That was about six paces for you to walk in that, in that tabernacle. And then, how were you going to get through that veil? Six paces brought you up to that altar of incense where the high priest would begin to worship God and intercede on behalf of Israel, but also worship the Lord. 
And then at some point, the Bible says that he would remove from himself the, the trappings of his, of his priesthood until he was just in a linen garment. And then that veil that had, that had togs on each side of it, attaching it to poles on, uh, on top and on the sides, that veil that there was no place to walk through, you could not lift up. It was very heavy anyway. If you had the ability to lift it up, it would have been very, very heavy, hundreds of pounds, and no way to get through that veil. And yet somehow there would be a seventh step that was made and God would allow that high priest to step through that veil. And I remember preaching about that one day. And Brother Randall, do you remember we couldn't even hardly leave church that day? The way the presence of the Lord fell in place. God began to move in such a glorious way. And then we came here and now we've been having church here for seven years. And God has blessed us time and time and time again. What I am trying to say to you today is that God's church is a special and a holy place. There's nothing, there's nothing like going to church. And while I'm thankful for the physical buildings that we have called church, I'm thankful for that house that was a church for us. I'm thankful for that room that was a church for us. I'm thankful for this building that is a church for us. And I thank God for that one that's coming that's going to be a church for us. But, but while I'm thankful for the buildings themselves, I've got to remind you that it's not the building that makes it the church. It's when the presence of God meets us there that is what causes it to be church. <coughs> There's a lot of places having church today, but it's not a church. It's just a meeting house. But we have come to this small, humble building, and in this small, humble building, this is truly today a church. As we began to sing a while ago, the presence of the Lord moved in here, and people began to weep, and people began to be broken in the presence of God. It is Him and He alone that makes this a church. It is the place that His name has been called. And so we're in this unique place today. And it's not only unique because of the God who ordains it and the God who sanctifies it with His presence, but it is also unique because it brings together people from all walks of life. And in life itself, there is a very high chance that many of us would never rub shoulders together. There's a very good chance that many of us would never have become friends if we did not have the church. The church brings people together from all kinds of backgrounds. It brings people together from all kinds of cultures. It brings people together from every socioeconomic status. It brings people together from every identity that you could want to name them with. We have come from many different places. Um, you, have, you have people here today, some may have more money than others. Some may have more children than others. Some may be young, some may be old. Some may be female, some may be male. Some may be black, some may be white, some may be Hispanic. It don't matter where you come from. We have all come here together today. Because the church is the place. 
The church is the place that brings people together. And so it's unique in that way. It's very, very unique. Most places in society, people gather based on their likenesses. They gather based on the things that uh, identify them. But when we come to church, we have come and we have gathered based because we are identifying Him. We didn't come here today to lift up ourselves. We didn't come here today to promote ourselves. But we came here today to lift up Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings, who is Lord of all. We came here today to lift up Jesus. We came here today to magnify Him. We came here today to celebrate Him. We came here today to talk about His fame. We came here today to lift up His glory. We came here today because He has all power. We came here today because He loves us. We came here today because He is the Most High God. We came here today because we could have gone anywhere else, but nowhere else could we have gone where we could have experienced the power and the glory that we have felt here. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. It's a unique place that has brought us together today. You never know who it is that you will see at church. Don't ever count anybody out. Don't ever think somebody wouldn't be interested in this. Don't ever not invite somebody to church because you think that it wouldn't be their cup of tea. I'm going to tell you, uh, somewhere in all of our history, we are here because somebody reached out to us when we were sinners when we were undone, when we didn't have anything to offer, when all we really wanted was something to fill the void in our lives. Oh, thank God somebody brought me to church. Thank God somebody brought me to church. Thank God somebody loved my family enough to say, would you go to church with me? Well, I don't want to go to church. You may think you don't, but just give it a chance. Just come taste and see. And if you will taste and see, you will know that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And my family went walking into church one day. My grandmother didn't know nothing about this. My grandmother didn't have anything that would point her toward this. But somebody said, come and go with me to my father's house. And thank God they did because it changed our life. It changed our life. Oh, I thank God for the church. I thank God for what we feel here. I thank God for what we experience here. I thank God for what happens here. I thank God that when we come here, anything is possible. I thank God that when we come here, we lose the identity of everybody else around us, tell us what we are, and we become one in Him. We become one in Him. 
John said, I looked. He said they came out of every tribe. They came out of every tongue. They came out of every nation. He said they were every color. They were every strata. They were every socioeconomic status. He said we all, when we come together, it's all level at the foot of the cross. When I was studying this message, I got to looking at that place where they met that day. It was called the Valley of Chavre. And I clicked on that to see what that word means in the Hebrew. And that word means a level place. <laughs> it means a level place. In other words, when Abraham went to church... Abraham went to church in a level place. It was a it was a, it was a, a place that was equal for everybody. It was a place that was equal for everybody. It didn't matter what your name was, but everybody could come to that place. It was a plain place. It, 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 it was a smooth place where everybody could gather together. We don't care what your name is around here. We don't care what your pedigree is around here. Matter of fact, it's not... The Bible teaches that it's not nearly about your pedigree. I thank God for people that are third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation Pentecost. God bless you. That's wonderful. You ought to celebrate that. That's a tremendous legacy in your family. But if you don't have this for you, you're celebrating something that don't mean a thing to you. You need to have this in your heart. Everybody in this room needs to be first generation Pentecostal. Everybody in this room needs to have their own encounter with God. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's level when we come to this church. We let everybody come. This gospel's for whomsoever will. And this, well, none of this is in my notes, so I don't have many notes. I told you all that. But I'm going to tell you this. I did, this is not something that I planned on getting into, but let me just remind us again. We do not screen people in this church. If people want, now if there's a problem, somebody keeps causing a problem, we'll deal with a problem. But people that want their lives changed, I don't care where they came from. I don't care what they did last night. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how many times they've been in and they've been out. They've been in. They've been out. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if they hurt your feelings. I don't care if they're not your friend. I don't care if you don't trust them. We're going to give God an opportunity. Somebody help me preach. We're going to give God an opportunity to change them to the uttermost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you don't believe that, this probably isn't the church for you. Because in this church, we're going to give everybody a chance. It's a house of mercy. It's a house of mercy. It's a house of mercy. Mercy endures to all generations. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the day. Why, do, why would he need to follow you with his goodness and mercy if you were going to get it right once you got in church? He knew we'd all make mistakes. He knew we'd all mess up. He knew we all would need mercy on a regular basis. We need that mercy. So I thank God for the church. 
It's an incredible place and something happens here that is very unique. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11, the wise man wrote, the preacher wrote, he said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. There's people working jobs, making a lot more money than some of us would make, not because, not because they were wealthy, not because they were smart, smarter, than you, not because they had better skills than you have, but because time and chance happened to them. That's what he's saying. He's saying sometimes it's just good to be in the right place at the right time. And when we come into this house at the right place, at the right time, time and chance happens to us all. Everybody in this room today has the same opportunity. Do you hear what I said? Everybody in this room has the same opportunity today. God's not giving me an opportunity that He is withholding from you. And God is not extending to you an opportunity that He is withholding from me. Everybody here, we all have the same opportunity. God is an equal opportunity employer. So, Lot and Abraham had had their... Their, separa- their separation where they had, Lot had gone towards Sodom and, and Abram had gone the other way. And so they have, they have gone their separate directions and yet this king and some other lesser kings that aligned themselves with him, they began to, uh, they began to raid the countryside and And they were stealing and they were pillaging and they were taking. And they went to Sodom and they stole from Sodom. They took people from Sodom. They took their stuff, their women, their children even, and their belongings. And they go. And somebody escapes from that slaughter and they go and they tell Abraham. They said, Abraham, they've taken Lot. They've taken his family. Um, He is your brother. All these things have now happened, Abraham, and we want you to be aware of it. And so Abraham makes up his mind that he is going to go and he is determined that he is going to not let what belongs to him go without a fight. I need to preach on, but I also want to stop and say we need to make sure that we are determined that we are going to retain what belongs to us. We need to make up our minds that we will not let the devil take anything from us. Anything the devil takes, the devil's going to have to get it with a fight. He's not taking my kids without a fight. He's not taking my marriage without a fight. He's not taking my friends without a fight. He's not taking the neighbor on the pew without a fight. The devil's not going to get any of you without a fight. We need to make up our minds that we will hold on to what belongs to us. The devil doesn't get my peace without a fight. The devil doesn't get my faith without a fight. The de- Come on, somebody. The devil doesn't get my mental without a fight. He's going to have to fight me for it if he wants it. And Abraham said, no, that doesn't belong to them. That is not theirs to take. And so he goes after them. 
he finds them. <coughs> he splits up his, his servants that he has armed into two groups. He takes one, someone else takes the other. And they, uh, they defeat these kings. It was uh, Shadorlamor and several that were with him. And yet they defeat them. And they begin to round up all that belongs to them and to these others that have been taken, had things taken from them. And they begin to make their way back home. As they are making their way back home, um, here he comes and the king of Sodom comes out to meet Abraham there at the valley of Shaveh, that level place which is the king's dale. And the king of Sodom comes to meet him there. And as Abraham and the king of Sodom are there together talking, two very different men, two men, now hear me, this is where I get in the meat of my message, two men that come from very different backgrounds. Abraham is a man that is, that is left where he was to go follow after the will of God for his life. The king of Sodom, you know what becomes a Sodom. The king of Sodom is leading that group of people. They, are, they could not be more different. They could not be uh, more diametrically opposed. And yet, here they come and they meet. It's interesting sometimes how we meet. And as they're sitting there talking with one another, here comes Melchizedek. I believe that Melchizedek is a theophany of God. The writer of Hebrews says that he is without beginning of days and he is without end of days. The writer of Hebrews says that he is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And the Bible tells us that Abraham paid tithes to him of all. Who does the tithe belong to, church? belongs to God yet Abraham gave it to him and the writer of Hebrews says consider how great a man this must have been that Abraham before there was a law would give to him his tithe so I believe Melchizedek is a theophany of God and as he comes to where they are when God you know it because I told you a while ago it's not about the room, it's not about the building, it's not about the paint, it's not about the chairs. What makes church church is when God gets there. And as Abraham and the king of Sodom have gathered together, here comes God into their midst. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Abraham and the king of Sodom have gone to church together on the same day. Abraham and the king of Sodom find themselves at church together in a very interesting set of circumstances that they would not have foreseen because sometimes God brings us from all different backgrounds together. And as they are there together, and as Melchizedek comes, the Bible says that he appears and then he blesses Abraham and then he brings forth bread and wine of which Abraham partakes. But apparently the king of Sodom does not. Melchizedek, I wish I'd have brought bread and I wish I'd have brought some kind of a, a container today to illustrate this for you. Melchizedek brings forth bread and wine. What is that? It's another reason I believe he's God. It's a type of the communion. It's a, it's, it's a shadow of what is to come. And he brings forth this bread and wine. 
And Abraham says, I'll partake of your bread and I'll partake of your wine. You are the priest of the Most High God. You are without beginning of days. You are without end of days. You are king of righteousness. You are king of Salem. He is a king and a priest, notice. You are king of righteousness and you are king of peace. And okay, I will partake of this. And so as, as God offers to them an opportunity, He extends to them an opportunity. Abraham is the only one that partakes of that opportunity. Abraham says, I'll take the bread and I'll take the wine. What does that mean? Abraham said, I'll take the word and I'll take the spirit. I'll take God's word and I'll take God's spirit. We've got too many people uh, and, and I, I'm sorry I'm trying to get through this, but things are coming to me. It reminds me of Joseph being in that prison in Egypt. And he interpreted two dreams in that prison. One was for a baker and one was for a butler. And he told the butler, he said, that was the man who brought the king his wine. He said, you will be restored to your place. Go study it. The Bible said he was the man that served the king's wine. You will be restored to your place. But baker, you will be hanged. Because there's too many people that they're hungry uh, for they're, they're desirous of God's spirit, but they don't want anything to do with God's word. And there's a lot of people want what we have felt here today, but they don't want preaching like I'm getting ready to do today because they want God's spirit, but they do not want God's word. And I feel like maybe the king of Sodom was that kind of guy that day. He wasn't quite ready to embrace all that the Lord was offering to him. Uh, Abraham, you go ahead. You eat the bread. You can have the wine. But Abraham, I'm going to back off of that a little bit. That's not the kind of commitment that I am ready to make. And so one takes, one does not take. And you study them, both of those men. They each came to very different ends. They both had the same opportunity, but only one of them took the opportunity. And we know what happened with the king of Sodom. That city became such a wicked city. It became such a vile city that God said, the cry of it has reached up to me and now I'm going to destroy it with fire and brimstone. And he did. I think we need to be careful that when we come to church and God gives us an opportunity, we need to make sure that we don't take the path of the king of Sodom that says, you know, something feels good in here right now. I like what I feel right now, but I'm not just interested in what you feel. I'm more interested in what you're going to do right now because in this room, God has stepped into this place. In this room, there is a presence that is here that is greater than anything you could ever imagine. There is a God that is in this room right now. He spoke this world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the earth bring forth, <laughs> and the earth brought forth. Our God is, is so wonderful. He is so terrible, and He is so great. Do you understand who He is? The king of Sodom that day somehow let it slip by and he thought, yeah, this man may be without beginning. Come on, folks. If this man is without beginning of days, if he is without end of days, if he is the king and the priest, if he is so great that Abraham is paying him tithes, don't you think we ought to pay attention to what he's doing? And yet that king of Sodom got up and he said, I'm going back home the same way that I came. He said, I'm going to go home. 
the same way I came. But it seems to me, I remember a scripture in the Bible that said if you come in by the east gate, you need to leave by the west. And if you come in from the north, you ought to leave by the south. What was the Lord saying? He said, when you come into my house, don't ever leave the same way that you came. If you've encountered me and you've experienced me, you need to walk out different than you came. So I want to preach right now and tell you, I plan on leaving today different than I came. I'm not going to leave the same. I'm not going to be the same. I'm a different man. I'm a different man when I leave God's house. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us. There was a young ruler. There was a young ruler. And time and chance caused him to have an unexpected encounter. Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Honor your father and your mother. You know the Ten Commandments. Do the Ten Commandments. Lord, all of these have I kept from my youth up. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God. <sighs> Jesus is God. Manifest in the flesh. And Jesus says to him, then take what you have. Sell it all. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Walk with me. And the Bible said the man went away sorrowfully that day. He left stirred, but he left the same way that he came. He was unchanged. And I think one of the great, one of the great battles we are facing in 2020 in the church of the living God is people that come to church to be shaken, but they leave the same way that they came. People that come to church and they're stirred, but they leave the same way that they came. People that are convicted but they leave the same way that they came. People that know what God is asking, but they leave the same way that they came. People that hear the voice of the Lord right now while I'm preaching to you, you can hear the voice of God reverberating in your soul, but they leave the same way that they came. And I'm going to preach to everybody. I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to pastor everybody that I can possibly pastor. I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to be there beside you. You have trauma in your family. I'm coming. You... <coughs> Something happens in your home, I'm coming. I'm going to be there for you. I'll do everything I can. But let, let, me, let me tell you what bothers me more than the trouble you're facing. Let me tell you what worries me for you more than the sickness in your body. It's when you are shaken, but you are not changed. Oh, King of Sodom, what a great opportunity you had that day. Oh, King of Sodom. How many people saw God face to face? How many people could be in the presence of a theophany that was written about not only in the Old Testament but in the New? Only two of you were ever with Him face to face. But you left unchanged. Well, maybe if I went to a better church. No, it's not about a better church. 
Well, maybe if I had a better preacher, it's not about a better preacher. Abraham and, so and, and King of Sodom both had God in front of them, but only one of them left changed. We better quit trying to put it off on something else. And we better make up our minds we're going to take responsibility for who we are. I know we're living in a generation that's trying to get rid of responsibility. But in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that from hell from which it, to hell from which it came. You need to take responsibility. If you're a man in this room, you need to be a man who will lead his family and his home. If you're a man in this room, God has called you to be the priest of your home. You need to step up and be that man. You need to quit trying to be something less. I hope people that aren't here today, I hope everybody will listen to this by way of podcast that we pastor in this church. You hear me right now, man. If you're not what God expects you to be, it's not my fault and it's not this church's fault and it's not God's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> uh, you got to take responsibility at some point. You got to say, God, I will do the things that you have called me to do. Lady, if you're not the woman of God that you're supposed to be, if you're not the handmaiden of the Lord that God's called you to be, that's not on anybody else but you. You hear the same preaching. You hear the same teaching. You're in the same dynamic moves of God. We all come together and we all have the same opportunities. And nobody stole your opportunity from you. The only person that can remove themselves from it is you. And if you haven't made up your mind to be what God wants you to be, I'm reaching for you today. And I am saying don't leave here unchanged don't leave here like you came don't leave here the same but leave by a different way right. hallelujah hallelujah Paul met a man named by Felix he met him by time and chance oh Felix Felix you came face to face with the greatest apostle that you could have ever met. Felix, you heard Paul preach. Felix, you heard the man preach that they had to change his prison guard every 15 minutes because he was converting his guards so quickly. Felix, you heard that man. You heard his testimony. You were there as he declared the glory of God. And God's presence came into that room you were in, Felix. And the way I know it, Felix, is because you trembled. Felix trembled. <sighs> Listening to the great apostle. And he trembles. And then he says, go away, Paul. <laughs> Paul, go away. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Oh my God, a convenient season. Felix, there was no more convenient season. Felix, you weren't going to get any better of an opportunity than you had that day. 
feelings. You had the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He could have explained anything you needed explained. Felix, he could have instructed you more perfectly in the ways of God. Felix, there was no more convenient day than that day. But Felix, you trembled, but you, you went home that day the same way that you came. Oh my God, help us, church, to not leave like we come. Help us, church, to not hold on to what he's asking us to let go of. Help us, church, to not humble ourselves when all he desires is that we would come and make him our great desire. Help us. So it is a tragedy of our time that is not unlike that of the early church when people leave stirred, but they leave the same. And I am here to remind you today that time and chance happeneth to every man. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you don't have. It's not about your name, and it's not about where you came from. It's not about where you live. It's not about uh, the, 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 the things that would identify you to this world. It's not about any of those things, and the wisest man in Scripture told us so. He said it's not about any of that. He said, but it's, it's not about your understanding. It's not about your knowledge. He said, but it's about time and chance that happeneth to every man. I can't speak for everybody out there today because I'm not preaching to everybody out there today, but I'm preaching to you today. And time and chance has come to this place today. And God has met us here. King of Sodom, Abraham, time and chance brought them together and God met them there. <laughs> it was a day that Abraham went to church with the king of Sodom. And in the church, anything can happen. And we shouted about it a while ago, and you were on your feet about it a while ago, about what takes place in church. What I want to know, now that you've gone to your feet, I want to know, can you go to your face? And I want to know, when you've gone to your face, can you walk out of here and leave what you left while you were on your face on the ground? Can you leave it on the ground? And can you walk out of here differently than you came in and be forever changed? I'm through preaching today. I've carried this message for several weeks now. I've been waiting for the right time to preach it. And this week God told me this is the Sunday you preach that message. So if you're here today, God ordained that you would be here today. If you've heard this message by some medium or another, God ordained for you to hear this message. And now I am asking you, what will you do? The bread... And the wine have been brought forth. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to partake? Or are you going to walk away? Sodom said, just give me my people. Just give me my people and I'll get out of your, I'll get out of your way, Abraham. Just give me what belongs to me and I'll get out your way, Abraham. Abraham said, you got it all wrong. He said, you're worried about people and stuff. You take your people and you take your stuff. But what I just had in this encounter with this man, this God-man Melchizedek, is worth more to me than all the people and all the stuff. And until what we have here becomes more to you than anything else, you're probably not going to be changed. Until what we felt in this room today becomes more to you than anything else, you probably will leave the same. But if you feel like you want to have that, and you feel like you want this more than anything else, I'd invite you today 
to come to an altar, to kneel at your chair, to find a place to pray. And I would invite us all today to seek God in this room. Could we do that together? Could we do that together?